Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Today, I will be speaking. I'm the youth pastor, Karen, and um, Pastor Neil is doing great. Uh, he is still recovering from his hip surgery, and he just says continue for prayers. He's very, he's felt very um, loved and appreciated, and y'all have been amazing by taking care of him and meals. They've been, like, overwhelmed with the love, so they just say thank you for that. Um, but before I get into the message, if you are new here, if you've been here for a little while and you've never connected with us, uh, one way you can do that is by scanning the QR code on the chair in front of you. Um, there's um, some few ways to connect. And one of the things that we're going to be starting very soon is life groups. And life groups are super important to just community in the church. And we would love for you, if you're if you feel called to lead a life group, um, there's also a way to to sign up for that on that QR code as well. And so, if you want to scan that QR code and say yes, I'd like to lead a life group, that really just looks like um, probably possibly meeting in your home and. Um, and then coming up with what you want to talk about, it might be prayer, it might be a specific Bible study, uh, or a specific book. And so the kind of something like that, if you're interested in leading that, the best way to sign up is through the, the QR code on your chair. So thank you all so much for being here, and um, let's stand for the reading of the scripture. So today we're going to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to come here and worship you and learn more about you. God, I pray that you would just put your words in my heart. Help me to speak what you have for each of us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. So today I'm going to be speaking about rest. And... I'm not an expert in rest. That was not the reason that I came here and decided to speak about rest. That's, I'm not the best at it. Um, and the most qualified to teach about it. But I think the reason that we need to talk about rest is because we all need it. Um, when I was, um, I asked God, what do you want me to speak about today? And he clearly said rest. And so I was like, okay, 
So if I don't know much about this and I'm not very good at it, uh, I better study it pretty hard right now, right? Try to figure it out. Um, and so, so that's what I did. I did a deep dive on rest because I knew I needed to learn more. And, um, and I also knew that we all needed to learn more. It wasn't just me. Um, and so this summer was actually one of the hardest summers for me ever. A lot of things were adding up. I was really overwhelmed and I was overworked. Um, after camp, honestly, I just felt done. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so I was starting to feel bitter and angry about small things that just never used to make me angry. And I realized this was my own doing. Summers are busy for youth ministry. Summer's one of the busiest times because the youth are free, right? So we can plan things on a Tuesday night that we wouldn't be able to plan otherwise. And so I was doing a lot of things on, in this summer, and I never, I never planned time for rest. And so because of that, I crashed and burned. I was done, right? I was like, okay, I'm peace. Um, but maybe you're feeling that. Maybe you are feeling things are adding up. You're overwhelmed and overworked. You get angry about things that used to never bother you. And maybe it's because it's been too long since you've rested. Truly rested. And that's how I was. When was the last time that you put your phone on Do Not Disturb? and spent time doing something you enjoyed and maybe with the people that you enjoy being with? When was the last weekend you had that wasn't full of things you had to do, like mow the lawn or laundry or go to a kid's game or maybe attend a birthday party or a bridal shower? Maybe it's been a while. Maybe your weekends are really full. It seems that our weekends kind of get fuller than our weekdays sometimes. And our weekdays tend to be longer than a normal eight to five. And when did eight to five become the normal, not nine to five, right? Working nine to five, Dolly Parton over here. But now it's eight to five or longer, right? Six to five, seven to five. Um, but if you aren't getting it by now, our weeks are not going to give us rest. They're not going to give it to us. So we're going to have to take it. So where do we start? And that's where I want to ask you, where do we start? Let's go back to the beginning. The beginning of all time itself, right? God created time when he created the earth. And so we're going to look at Genesis together. So we're created to rest. Our need for rest, for the body to have periods of peace, is rooted in how God created us. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So when God created earth, he created a perfect rhythm and the rhythm was this. The first six days he worked, and the seventh day he rested. 
He did not need to rest. He He didn't need that. But he rested to create the perfect rhythm that he knew we needed. God set up the world with seasons and rhythms, and often we're trying to fight against them. We're trying to go against the seasons and rhythms of life. Some of us might work at night, and so we have to stay up during the, stay up during the night and sleep during the day. And when we do that, our bodies don't get as much rest. It's saying, this isn't normal. The rhythm that God created where we sleep at night gives us rest. But when we try to fight that, it's not as restful. And same with our weeks. God created the week six days for work and one for rest. And when we go against that, the rhythm that God created, our lives are not as restful. So today I want to talk about two practices that we can put into place to help us live a life that is more restful. Sabbath and slowing. Those are going to be the two specific practices that we're going to talk about today. And so what is Sabbath? One definition I found of Sabbath is, it's God's gift of repetitive and regular rest. It is given for our delight and communion with God. It's a time for being in the midst of a life of doing. So when you practice Sabbath, the goal here, so we're talking about a a practice, something that we would get to do regularly, we practice it, we learn it, it's going to take us some time. When we practice Sabbath, the goal is to set apart one day a week for rest and spending time with God. And so I want to look at Genesis again to get a better idea of what Sabbath means. So we looked at Genesis 2, and we're going to look at it again, and see what does this really say? What did God really do when he rested? So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So when I read this in my Bible app, there's a little note bubble next to the first rested. I don't know if anybody's in their Bible app right now, but there's a little note bubble next to the first rested. So it says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And when I click on the note bubble, it says it can be interchanged with ceased. So you could read it like this. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he ceased from all his work, or stopped. Full stop. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, meaning literally to stop. So he stopped. He didn't do anything else. He just stopped. Everything that he was doing, all his creation stopped. And when was the last time you stopped? Like, turn, turned off your phone? Have you ever turned off your phone not to turn it back on? You, no. Like, I mean, like, no, right? We just turn it off because it's messing up, and then we turn it back on because we're like, hey, we got to get this going, right? We don't stop. We don't even let the things that are around us stop. Another translation of Shabbat is to delight. 
And so when I was doing research on how the Jewish people were meant to live out the Sabbath, I found this idea of the Sabbath being the highlight or jewel of the week. It's something to look forward to and to prepare for and something to delight in. And so when I think of delight, I usually and automatically just think of food. Um, <laughs> right? We all just, we delight in food a lot of times, right? Like that's, right? Um, <laughs> so I love Godiva dark chocolate truffles. These are what I delight in. And so especially the cappuccino one. So when I get a box of truffles, I always leave the cappuccino truffle for last. And when I eat it, eat it, I pay attention to the taste, I take small bites, I drool a little, to be honest. I savor every moment, and I'm always a little sad when it's gone. You know, I'm like, man, this truffle was way too small. Um, but I'm always thankful that there's two of those truffles in the box. So there's another one coming, right? Um, but my husband, Brian, is not allowed to eat the cappuccino truffle. First, because it's my favorite, but also because he puts a whole truffle in his mouth at once. In one bite, just eats it. And I'm like, did you even taste it? So he's only allowed to eat the truffles I don't really like. Um, because I don't think he appreciates them as much as I do. And so as I savor the moment when I eat my chocolate, he hurriedly finishes the truffle without even really tasting it. I delight in the chocolate, and he scarfs it down. And so when I delight in my chocolate, I spend time appreciating it. I take small bites. I notice the different notes and flavors of it. It's the same with the Sabbath day. We can spend time enjoying the little things. We can take small bites and notice more about our surroundings and what God is doing around us. And when... We're always a little, we should be a little sad when Sabbath is over because we enjoyed it so much. But thankfully, there's always another Sabbath coming up. Just like that cappuccino truffle, there's always two. And so we should delight in this day. It should be something that we, we savor and take small bites of. Today I told our prayer, our prayer time, I said, don't hurry today. Today practice trying not to hurry. Because we're always ready to go to the next thing, right? We're in our prayer time. And we're ready to go to our stations for volunteering. We're in church today, and we're ready to go eat afterwards. We're ready to go hang out with whoever we're about to hang out with after church. But today I'm saying, don't hurry. Don't hurry this moment. Just be here and be aware of what God's doing here. Sabbath is also a command. And so... Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are, you shall have no other gods before me, God. You shall not make idols. You shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. We still encourage people to not murder, right? You know, we encourage that. It's a, it's a good thing. We still encourage people to not commit adultery. We still encourage people to not steal. Those are all things we encourage people to do, to not do, right? 
but we don't really encourage people to keep Sabbath. When a Christian's working on their day off, or even the pastor, no one says, wait a minute, you're not keeping the Sabbath holy. Get back to rest. No, right? That's not what we respond. And so the Sabbath has kind of become one of those things where it's one of the Ten Commandments, but do we really need to keep it? And so in f- this Sabbath is one of the reasons God judged Israel and sent them to exile was because they did not keep the Sabbath day holy. Jeremiah 17, 27 says, But if you do not listen to me and refuse to keep the Sabbath holy, and if on the Sabbath day you bring loads of merchandise through the gates of Jerusalem, just as on other days, then I will set fire to these gates. The fire will spread to the places, palaces, and no one will be able to put out the roaring flames. Maybe Sabbath is important to God. And then let's look at what Jesus did about the Sabbath and had to say about the Sabbath. The biggest teaching on Sabbath in the New Testament is found in Matthew 12. And it all starts with Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that I read earlier today. So let's read it together. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and then we're going to do Matthew 12, 1 through 2, and Matthew 12, 9 through 12. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. At about the same time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And in Mark 2, 27, we see Jesus responding to the Pharisees when they are being mad about what the disciples picking the grains. And so Mark 2.27 says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. And so Jesus is saying here, he's not saying we don't need to practice the Sabbath. He's not saying the Sabbath is not good to practice. He simply was telling the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders that they had put too much regulations on the Sabbath and it had become a burden on the Jewish people. When it was supposed to be a blessing, the Sabbath was supposed to be something that people looked forward to and were blessed by. But the Jewish leaders had said, put so much on the Sabbath and regulations and said, you can't do this, you can't do that, that it'd become a burden. And Jesus is like, my burden isn't heavy. 
and neither is the Sabbath. So maybe you're wondering, okay, cool, Sabbath is important, that's good. Um, So how do I practice the Sabbath? First, Sabbath takes preparation. If we want to practice Sabbath, we're going to have to prepare for it. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God gave them manna from heaven six days. And on the sixth day, they would collect a day's extra because they wouldn't be, wouldn't be any coming from heaven the next day because it was Sabbath. They had to prepare to collect enough for the next day. The, tr- the Jewish tradition actually says that you can't even cook on the Sabbath. So they make all their meals beforehand. But that's not really what I'm talking about. You can still cook on the Sabbath, um, but maybe you need to prepare. So to prepare for Sabbath might look different for you. It might mean you get your laundry done throughout the week or the day before or the day after so that you don't have to do that while you're resting. It's not very restful because, you know, you always still have to go turn the laundry and fold the laundry. It's just not restful even if it only takes you a little while to put it in, right? It might mean you say no to going to one kid's birthday party and just choosing to buy a gift instead. And you might have to buy your groceries beforehand and maybe the specific needs for those specific meals that you've planned beforehand. Preparing means you plan some things for your day that are restful, and you say no to things in advance, right? We say no in advance because we can't say, I mean, you can say no the day of, but people don't like that, okay? Um, So saying no to things in advance that are not restful. So think of it as a holiday. That's what the Jewish people do. But think of it as a holiday, right? So Christmas, you plan your meal out. Everybody knows what you're going to have on Christmas Day, like at least a week beforehand, at least. Some like months before, and I'm like, okay, that's too much. But you know, you know the things that you're going to eat. You know who's going to be there. You have an idea of what's going to happen on a Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, um, like opening presents, or you know when people are going to show up, too. You even plan maybe a nap time, right? We plan nap times on our holidays sometimes. But you especially plan naps for your kids because uh, that's at least some time so that they're not screaming around while you're hanging out with your friends and your your siblings or your uh, mom or dad. So we always plan naps for the kids, right? But the same goes for your Sabbath days. Make a plan. Maybe you want to go to the park as a family together. Maybe you want to sit and read a book with your spouse. Maybe you want to enjoy cooking or baking together. You don't want it to be a full day. You want to leave space. But having an idea of what you want to do with your rest helps you actually make sure you do it. Otherwise, you're going to fill your day with things that you shouldn't fill it with. Nobody likes having to make the decision on where we're going to eat. So choose that beforehand. That's what I'm trying to say. Nobody likes decision fatigue, right? So just come up with what you're doing the day before so you don't have to make the decisions tomorrow. So Sabbath takes preparation in order to truly rest. And then also Sabbath is for relationships. Sabbath, so God created us for relationships, right? He created us to have a relationship with him and have relationships with each other. And so That's why he created Sabbath, so we could enjoy those relationships and choose those intimate, to have intimate times with each other and with God. It's meant to allow space 
for intimacy with God and those we love. Sabbath rest is about relationships. It's not being on your phone or watching TV while everyone else is doing their own thing. Neither of those are helpful for, to a relationship. If you're trying to decide if you should do something on Sabbath, here's a good question you can ask. Will this help me love God more? Or will this help me love others more? It's a simple question. Is this going to help me love God? Or is this going to help me love others? If not, you probably shouldn't do it. And maybe that means taking a nap because you didn't sleep so great the last night. So, you know, if you didn't sleep so great, you're probably a little grumpy today. And the, that relationship with your spouse or siblings is probably not going to be so great. So, yes, take a nap. Take a nap. Here's just a few ways to practice Sabbath. It is not an exhaustive list. It's a very short list, in fact. But just a few ways. Set aside time with God and others. Choose one day to rest out of your week. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It doesn't have to be Saturday. I don't know what your week schedule looks like, but just choose one day. Practice restful activities. And so those restful activities might be taking walks. Not right, not right now because it's just too stinking hot outside, but, you know, when it gets a little bit cooler, taking walks. A picnic. Naps. Talking to someone you love on the phone. I'm, I don't live close to some of my family, and I love getting to talk to my family on the phone. Um, and that's something that is relational, but still restful for me. And then maybe enjoying tea or coffee with a friend. But those are just some small things that we can do to help us practice Sabbath. So as we talked before, Sabbath is a full stop, right? It stops to cease. It's a period to your week. But have you ever driven really fast, faster than you should be, and you don't realize that there's a stop sign ahead of you? So by the time you see the stop sign, you try to stop, but you're going too so fast that you just can't stop in time? Anyone? Anyone? Just me? Okay. <laughs> it happens to all of us, right? We're all, we just don't see the stop sign, and then, whoa, where'd that come from, right? And that's kind of our lives sometimes. Our days are so fast and hurried that even if you wanted to stop for Sabbath, we couldn't because the days leading up to it are too fast and too furious, which leads to the practice of slowing. So we're talking about Sabbath already, and now we're going to talk about the practice of slowing. And this one is almost, this at this point in my rest journey, slowing is what I'm on right now. I have not figured out Sabbath yet because I have to figure out how to get to the point where I'm not going so fast that when the stop sign shows up, I've passed it already, right? So slowing is where it's at, y'all. The definition of slowing is one way to overcome inner hurriedness and addiction to busyness. How many of y'all have, you know, you've answered, you know, somebody says, how are you doing today? Busy, busy, I'm busy, gotta go, busy, right? We're all busy. The goal of slowing is to curb your addiction to busyness, to hurry and to workaholism, to learn to savor the moment. We're all in America. We all know what it's like to be a little workaholic-y, that's it's a word, yeah. It's a word, Misty, yeah. But <laughs> we all know what it's like to, to feel like work is really 
where our purpose is, to know that we feel like if we're not working, then something's wrong with us. If we're not working, then then we can't, you know, enjoy a day off. Like, we, we can't just decide, okay, I'm going to sit here and do nothing because work has just infiltrated our lives. So the goal of slowing, like I said, is to curb the addiction to hurry, to, to curb the addiction of workaholism. And slow is the opposite of hurried. And slow is often really thought of as bad in America. If you say somebody's slow, you're saying they're not very bright and smart, right? It's, if slowness is often really a negative thing. Um, but to God, to Jesus, it was not negative at all. It was what he lived by. Um, so I realized through this study that I was, while I was at camp, during summer, right, I was, this whole summer was a rough time for me, but while I was at camp, I was trying to hurry everybody to do something. I was like, you need to get out the door, we're going to service right now, right? Get, come on, why is your makeup not on right now, you know? And then I was like, okay, well, I, now I'm tired, and we've been up all day and playing games in the heat, like, I'm trying to hurry to go to sleep, why are y'all still talking right now? Yeah, you can relate, right? But I was trying to hurry, and so every time I was hurrying in my head, right, I was like, can y'all go to sleep? Hurry up and get to sleep. My brain wasn't very nice to the people I was telling to hurry, right? I was like, move it or lose it, y'all. And sometimes in ministry, we want to hurry people to Jesus. So I read a book in order to study for this, it was The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he says something that I had never thought about, but it just blew my mind and made everything just fall into place. Hurry and love cannot coexist. When was the last time you were hurrying to get out the door and you said something nice to someone? When you're hurrying, you're like, get your shoes on, go, come on. Like, come on, you're yelling at them. Like, come on. And it's angry when we're hurried. How many of y'all enjoy driving when you're a little late? Yeah, all of y'all are like, when I'm driving and I'm late, you better get out of my way. Because I'm in a hurry. So hurry and love cannot coexist. Um, Yet... We live our lives hurried. We're always ready for the next thing. We're always like, when are we going to get there? We're never enjoying the moment. And maybe if we're living our lives with so much hurry, we're less loving than we thought we were. So let's talk about the easy yoke that Jesus provides. The easy, slow yoke is what I called it. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, again. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So maybe when I read that, you were like, gosh, Karen, why are you reading it so slow? Like, come on, like, yeah, it's up there, get to the next thing, right? So, okay, I'm going to, so now you're on the same page as me, let's slow it down together, okay? Let's, let's read it, okay. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, who's weary today, and carry heavy burdens, who's got a burden on them and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You let that sink in. So a yoke was a tool used to tether two t- two animals together in order to pull a load. I think we have a picture of one. And so Jesus is asking us to put on a yoke with him, to be tied to him. And so when I thought of this, I was like, okay, I'm literally being like connected to God, Jesus, like, like if we were crossing arms, right? We're putting on this yoke with Jesus. And I saw this image of how we would be in so much of a hurry that we would be trying to go fast and trying to pull him forward. Have y'all ever locked arms with somebody and like they're trying to go slow and you're, you're going fast and it's just, it's just not working? It's the same idea here. We would just be trying to blow through and Jesus would be over here slowly walking, enjoying his life, and we'd probably get pretty angry with him. We'd be like, why aren't you going faster, Jesus? So have you ever gotten the chance to run errands with your grandma or your grandpa? (laughs) Everybody knew where I was going with that one. I don't know why. (laughs) Let me just say, a retired old lady running errands is never in a hurry. First, she probably can't even walk as fast as you because she's got old joints and old bones. It's, that's just how thing, things are, right? That's how life is. Second, she's retired, so she has no place to be, right? And third, she doesn't get out so much, so she's going to stop and talk to everyone, right? But you, right? You're running these errands with your grandma and grandpa, and... You, you're young, you got the spry hips and the spry bones, right? And you're trying to walk her pace. And you're like, I've never walked this slow in my life. Right? Like, speed it up a little, lady. And you might have plans with the friends afterwards, and you told them, hey, once I'm done running these errands with my grandma, I'll text you. So you have places to be and people to meet. You have the ability to get out whenever you want to. So you don't feel the need to talk to everyone and anyone like she does. You're in a hurry, and she's slowing you down. It's frustrating. But I think that's how we are with Jesus sometimes. Jesus is our retired old grandma, and we're trying to hurry him up to the next thing. 
He just wants us to slow down and enjoy the moment. He just wants us to spend time with you, spend time with others, without you trying to get to the next thing. He's okay with interruptions and talking to random people. Are you? So we see this idea with Jesus of him being slow to respond when we think he should be hurrying. When he heard about his friend Lazarus's sickness, somebody comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, Lazarus, he's really sick, like to the point of, like, he's about to croak, you know? And when Jesus was told this news, he doesn't get up in a hurry, like, oh my gosh, I got to go find Lazarus now. No. In fact, he, he stays where he was at. It's the opposite of what you would expect him to do. Lazarus was a really good friend of his. He stays where he's at long enough for Lazarus to die. And he eventually makes it to Lazarus and to his, his siblings' home. And Martha, his, his sibling, basically tells Jesus, well, why didn't you hurry here to heal my brother? If you had been in a hurry to come, he might still be alive. But we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He had a bigger plan than all of us, than, than Martha, than Lazarus. Jesus knew his mission, and hurry was never part of it. So why is it part of ours? Another way to practice slowing is contentment, savoring the moment, living in the moment. One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And not because it makes me feel empowered when I come against something that seems impossible. It's not really what the scripture is talking about. So let's read Philippians 4.12-13 and kind of get an idea of what it's talking about. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The scripture is talking about being content in all situations. Paul was content no matter where he was at. Even in prison, he was content. Secular and Christian therapists alike would say that one of the best ways to kill anxiety is to live in the moment, to live right now, to not think about the future, to not think about the past, but to just notice what's happening now. When you live in the moment, you notice the things around you. You see the birds fly by. You hear the truck engine, you know, those big truck engines. They always come by, right? You notice the lady walking down the street. And in those moments, God has an open line of communication because you're now. You're not focused on something about to happen. Instead of wanting to hurry to the next moment, you notice the moment and let God move in it. So what can you do to practice slowing? This one's important. Slowing. We can't get to the stop before if, we, if we don't get to the slowing. Here are a few ideas. Not an exhaustive list. 
Drive in the slow lane. Let people over. You know, don't get mad when they want over because that's just, you know, that when they're getting on to the highway, they're going to want over. That's how it is. So let people over. Drive in the slow lane. Don't be in a hurry. Drive the speed limit, okay? Not five over. Speed limit. That's not being in a hurry. Look people in the eye as you're going about your day. A lot of us, we have our phones in front of us, right? When somebody's talking to us, we look at our phones instead of them. When you, when you shift, right, you're not looking at your phone, you're looking at their eyes. It makes a big difference. It slows you down a little bit. You're paying attention a little bit more. Also, when you're, like, you know, shopping, instead of just looking at where you're going, you're, like, looking at people. It's a little awkward. I've done it. It's a little awkward because they're like, why are you looking at me? Like, what? Like, and most of them are not looking up either, so, like, most of the time they don't notice you looking at them. But sometimes people are like, oh, this person's, like, not, they're, they're looking in my direction. Awkward, okay? But no. But it, it helps you notice people more when you try to look at people in their eyes when you're going about your day. Taste your food. Don't scarf it down like Brian and my chocolate. <laughs> Taste your food. Take small bites. A lot of, a lot of parents, right, y'all don't get to really enjoy your food because you're helping your kids get food. <laughs> so taste your food, enjoy your food, slow down in that way. And create more of a buffer in your time. And so that might mean you have to wake up earlier, you might have to leave somewhere earlier than you had pl than planned, like just create more of a buffer so you're not in a hurry to get to the next place. And take more breaks. Just take more times where you're like, okay, I'm going to eat my food, not in front of my work right here. I'm going to eat my food and enjoy my food. I'm not working and eating at the same time. Take a break. Slowing is hard. This is, that's what I've been trying to do this whole time, like in learning rest. I've been trying to learn slowing. That was my first step. And it's not easy. And it's like the people around you are going to try to keep getting you to go quick. The people around you. They're going to, you, you're now you're Jesus. Now you're the, you're the, you're the grandma. You're the retired grandma, and they're like, why are you going so slow? Yeah, they're mad at you now. So get them all on the same page. I'm glad y'all are all here with your families. But like I said at the beginning of this, I was burnt out and angry. And I recognized it. I struggled with it. It wasn't easy. Still a little bit, you know, working on it, you know? But I brought how I felt to the people who cared about me. And they said, you need help. And I'm telling you, you need help. We all need rest. So I've started on this rest journey. I think to live slowly and to practice Sabbath is radical. It's different than the world. When I read the ruthless elimination of hurry, if you're interested in it, I was like, ain't no way this is happening. Because it's so radical. This guy was living life that you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not how life is lived nowadays. He's a little eccentric, but worth a read. It's different than the rest of the world.
living slowly. And it's not going to be easy or quick. I don't, I, don't, I don't have it mastered still. I'm still learning rest. I'm still not an expert in rest. And honestly, this message, I wanted to add so much more because there's so much more to rest than just Sabbath and slowing. But I took social media off my phone because social media isn't very fun. And I would just, I wouldn't, I would go to it just automatically. I would pick up my phone and just, that was where I went when I was bored. I was like, well, I'm bored. Let's pick up my phone. You know, I know exactly where it is on my phone. And I would just go to it and just, it wasn't even fun, but it was just something to pick up because I was, I, I didn't have anything else to pick up, right? If we don't plan our rest, we end up doing something that isn't restful. I created specific downtimes on my phone. And I even have like, you know, where, you know, where it says you can, you can say, you know, give me more time. You know, it says um, cancel this downtime or whatever. You can do that on your phones, right? But if you let somebody else set your password for that, then they have to put it in for you. Don't let them tell you your password. Don't let them. But I created specific downtimes. I remember, like, I think it was last Saturday. I had a downtime from 7 a.m. to noon in the morning, you know, in the morning. And I was so nice. I read a book. And because there was nothing on my phone that was interesting to me. There's nothing on my phone that I even cared to see. And so I was like, well, I got to find, you know, I'm, I'm going to find something fun to do or something interesting to do. And so I read a book. And when the downtime ended on my phone, I was like, oh, now I have to go check. This was before I got rid of social media. Now I got to go see what's happening on Facebook. Ugh. You know, it was, it was not, like, after the downtime ended, I was like, man, that was, I wish there was more downtime, right? But then I could spend more time in my Bible, hanging out with, with my husband, um, getting to talk with people. And so if I'm being honest, I actually haven't really practiced Sabbath very well yet. Um, but I'm learning to slow down. Because I can't come to a full stop before I get to the point where the rest of my days are slow too. So I want to practice Sabbath, something that, that I think is important. I think it's also a blessing and I want to be excited about it. So God said, I needed to talk about rest today. But more than just telling me I need to talk about rest, he invited me to rest. And he wants to invite you to rest too. I want to end today with this scripture in Jeremiah 31. God says, I will refresh tired bodies and I will restore tired souls. Thank you. God, for doing that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of rest, that you set it up so that we need rest. Because if you had never set it up that way, we never would rest. We would just keep going and going and going. Lord, I pray that you would help us and our hearts to want to rest with you, Slow us down and show us your goodness. Help us to practice these things. Help us to put small boundaries in place 
that help us to slow down so that we can stop. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for being here today. Um, I hope that you take these things and really run with them or walk with them. <laughs> all right. Y'all have a great week.